Welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and the producer of this podcast, Sarah Tori. In this episode, I spoke with my guest, Emilien Pekul, a software developer, architect, and entrepreneur about the benefits of using patterns such as domain-driven design, event sourcing, and CQRS in startup companies, as well as for freelancers looking for their next project. We talked about, of course, the benefits, but also when you should be using these patterns and when you can just eliminate using these patterns. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and let's have a listen. Hi, Emilian. Thank you so much for joining me today. Could you please introduce yourself to um, our listeners and tell everybody where you are and a little bit about your background? Of course. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be here with you to discuss about uh, software development and CQRS and, and the startup world as well. And also a bit of freelancing because uh, before all, I'm a freelancer, a software developer. I started my company in 2013 and um, I started as a freelancer because it was hard for me to find a company where I feel I can work the way I want to work uh, in terms of good practices and stuff like that and also in terms of uh, how I'd like to progress as a software developer, the patterns I'd like to learn uh, because I I was reading a lot of book and I was thinking that uh, some patterns are better than others to build uh, robust software. Uh, and so I start as a freelancer mainly because I wanted to to take my learning uh, as a as a main opportunity for me. I I really need the to I I really need to learn to learn the thing. I like to learn, and that's uh, the basic reason why I, I, I start as a freelancer. And then uh, in 2013, we weren't so many as freelancers, actually, uh, not as many as now, uh, at yeah. least. And so very quickly, we have a lot of questions about how do you do that? How do you find your customer? How do you find your projects, uh, how do you learn? And uh, so basically starting with meetups and uh, conferences, we meet lots of software developers. Uh, mm-hmm. I say we because uh, we were already uh, in touch with my current uh, associates, nice. uh, Clément and Florent, uh, because I meet them in uh, 2011. Uh, okay. And actually, Florent was already in uh, in freelance, and you, it was him who uh, convinced us to to start as a freelancer as well. And so, so in a sense, uh, you kind of became oh, sorry, John. Or in a sense, you became also a mentor for other developers who wanted to exactly try this and, out. Yeah, that's really great. And that's why actually we build a. a an association called the Actual Job to help other uh, software developers to become a freelancer uh, in our city of Lyon because I am from Lyon in France, uh, as you could uh, expect from my accent. And so after that, uh, of course, we were happy because we help uh, many developers to become freelancers and mm-hmm. uh, none of them have uh, 
have regret about that. And, and actually, you you uh, talk with one of uh, of our job hacker, which is uh, Sylvain Couder. Uh, he has the, the chance yes, to, yes, I know. to come on this uh, podcast as well. Uh, so he was one of the uh, of the people we helped to to start as a freelancer. And uh, yeah, it was very great. But after that, we think that we could do even better. We can have an even greater impact. And uh, so we focus on what were the pains that we meet as a, as a freelancers mm -hmm. and what are the pains that uh, people that we have mentored as, uh, uh, have met as well. And uh, of course, because we were in France, uh, it was the administrative burden, which was the, the the most problematic parts uh, of <laughs> right. our business. Because, well, I think uh, anywhere you are, it's it's hard to manage everything administrative yeah, on your right. own as well. Yeah, of course. That's right. That's fair. And um, because uh, as a software developer, we have this chance that it's not a problem to find a, a mission. Uh, it's pretty easy to find a gig and to, to earn money, but uh, it could be harder to do what you want. And it's really yeah. easy to, to find, to to meet some traps uh, in your career. And so we, we try to, to remove them. So uh, we decided to build a company, which is called uh, Super Indep in 2018, it started. And the, the goal of this company is to remove the administrative burden for all freelancers. Um, but after a while, uh, we, of course, uh, understand that it was a bit too big as, a, as an objective, <laughs> even yeah. if it was a, a good to start with. Uh, and that's why after that, we focus on a specific status in France, which is uh, the status of uh, auto-entrepreneur, but it actually represents uh, more of uh, half of the freelancer in France. It's a really important status uh, yeah. where, uh, where people have a lot of traps. And so we focus on this uh, the status mainly to remove administrative burden for auto-entrepreneurs. So what does that mean? Does that mean just that the people who want to be entrepreneurs um, and basically start their own mission and company, basically, not just working for other clients, so to speak? Is that what it is? Exactly. They start their own mm -hmm. business uh, to work uh, for other customers. Uh, and, it, and it's very, very broad uh, type of job you can do with the status so you can uh, you can uh, sell stuff online you can do software development you can do uh, anything sure so it's basically starting a company and then taking on what you want to what you choose to do basically which is um which is nice um and of course the the um <laughs> um i worked as a contractor and i also had my own company at uh, at a couple of different points so it's really challenging to do all of not the ad just the and when we say administrative i think it's it's a really broad sense of things right because there is a lot involved there's uh, not just finding clients and how to communicate and how to uh document those hours and conversations but just also uh, in uh some ways to taking care of the finances and taxes and all of that so it's a really really broad sense which is um yeah it can be really overwhelming <laughs> especially when you first start Exactly, yeah. uh, especially when you first start, as you said, and uh, almost all the auto-entrepreneurs are actually first entrepreneurs because they, they didn't own a company before, so they have to learn a lot, and we are, yeah. uh, we are here to, to help them with that, and uh, especially with the taxes and the, the French taxes. 
Yeah, that's absolutely um, amazing. Really great. So you touched on a couple of things when you were talking about your background, which I'd like to go back and uh, dive a little bit deeper into. Um, so first of all, that's amazing that um, when you started your career, you started as a freelancer to give yourself the opportunity to learn and grow, really, and uh, be choosy about what you want to do. I think that's a really great uh, position to be in when you first start because you want to grow in your career and also personally and and, and do the things that really uh, bring you energy and bring you satisfaction and fulfillment. So that's really fantastic. Now, when you say the things that you liked to do and the patterns that uh, were effective, can you elaborate a little bit on that and 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 tell me what were those patterns and why did you think those patterns were in a sense better than some of the other ones that you had seen before. Yeah, of course. Um, so as most of software developers, I learn with, uh, uh, with pain, uh, what bad <laughs> software is, right? Uh, and when you try to work uh, too fast, uh, and without good practices and the, the result is very, um, it's very not interesting. It's very, uh, I mean, it's really hard as a, as a person because you work a lot and so yeah. it's almost as if the more you work and the worse it becomes. And so it's really, <laughs> really frustrating. And so yeah. I read a lot, I discuss in different meetups. And one of the first things that uh, some more experienced uh, software developers uh, tell me was you have to work with automatic testing and especially unit testing. So it was really the, the, the bias of my reflection. And about that, I, uh, I read uh, Clean Code as well. It was one of the first books uh, in terms of, of practices that I, I read. And, uh, and indeed, uh, I, I make me realize how much I have to learn because uh, I believed, of course, uh, because I was young, I believed that I was a very good software developer and um, and I understand that uh, not at all because I have so much to learn. Mm -hmm. So at first I believed that uh, these patterns were just not applicable, not in real company because, you know, we have work to do. We, we don't have time for testing and, and mm -hmm. all these uh, fancy architectures. Um, right. So we need real stuff. We do real stuff. But after a while, I understand that it was just because my code was bad that I wasn't able to put uh, automatic testing in it. And when I understand that, I understand that this was probably true for many other topics as well, uh, that I have lots of uh, stuff to learn. And another topic I hear just a bit uh, in this uh, 2013, 2014 uh, era was domain-driven design. Mm -hmm. And it looks really appealing because, uh, so the, the, the book is still Oh, here. yes, I see. <laughs> and and I, 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 I took this book and, he, you know, Eric Evans was so good to, 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 to express exactly the pain I have met. And so... Mm -hmm. I was thinking, okay, this guy, he has something to say and, and, and he has many decades of experience that I can use here and I have to use here. 
But at the same time, it looks really hard, really intimidating. And uh, when I try to, to find people to explain me what it means, what it is, how to do that, mm -hmm. uh, it was just really, really hard. And it basically mm -hmm. was uh, the, the point where I decided that I need to learn, I need to find experts on these topics, and I need to, to find a way to learn. And, and indeed, uh, that, that's uh, typically, when I start as a freelancer, I have only one objective. It was to work on projects where people at least want to learn or already do uh, TDD, so test-driven development. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also with people that at least want to learn about domain-driven design. It gotcha. was my only, uh, well, not my only, because you always have a financial issue and stuff like that, but sure, sure. It, it was really important in, my, in uh, how I Technically, that's what you wanted to focus on, yeah. The, the project I want to work on. So... Going back a little bit, when you started um, reading the domain-driven design book, and of course it's a it's a bit daunting task, isn't it? Because the the size of the book, first of all, it's it's pretty sizable. It's it's a big book, and then it uh, it is quite abstract. So when you start reading it, there are examples that you know, real life examples with the with the um, especially during the, the uh, beginning and middle of chapters, so, you know, talking about the shipping uh, examples and so on. So it's a really great book, but was it hard for you to, first of all, understand the material that was in it? So to really grasp what it was saying. But then after that, uh, was it also difficult to translate that to other people? Absolutely. And I think it's a really important point to say, yes, when you read it, you just don't understand it. And uh, it's the same mm -hmm. thing for everybody. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can grasp some parts, uh, but there, is, there are so many things in this book that you just can't, uh, you can't get it at once. Yeah. But you can just grab some, some parts. And uh, it happens to me a lot uh in uh, around the years to realize what he was actually talking about in my code i was mm. like oh okay that was the point that was exactly what he said here but yeah. i need i i don't know maybe uh, several months and several uh, moments to to code it to understand that what he really means uh, technically. And mm -hmm. that's why this book is so great and so hard at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's abstract. And because uh, you have practical stuff, but to be fair, the, the practical stuff is the less usable stuff today because it's yeah. a bit updated, uh, mm -hmm. outdated, sorry. It's a bit outdated. You can't really, if, if you really want to be up to date, you don't really want to use the patterns, uh, or at least not all the patterns uh, described in this book, mm -hmm. but not the, not the tactical patterns. But the other patterns are really, uh, really make sense. Uh, and um, they can, they, they, they are still true. And it's more about how you organize your project, how you organize your team, how you organize your company, right. and to, to grab this, you, you need to have a bit of experience uh, as a software developer. Sure, makes sense. So um, the technical part of it, um, of course, was difficult, right? Um, and you did uh, gain some experience and then you did have those aha moments and things start to click. Um, 
Now, in terms of the project organization part of it, you know, how you want to architecturally uh, design things and uh, basically have a blueprint of this project that you're about to start. Was that part easier to grasp and then to uh, teach to others or to, to transfer that knowledge to others? Or did you also have difficulty with that yeah. part as well? No, to be fair, it's big. Uh, yeah, the, the, the tactical patterns are easier to explain because mm -hmm. it's really uh, it's really physical. I mean, you, you can use code to show it. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's the, the tactical pattern. But the strategic patterns, uh, they are about organization and how you think the project and how it impacts your company. And um, this is always hard to explain uh, quickly because mm -hmm. when you talk to developers, they need to see code. So they ask you, okay, show me a DDD project. <laughs> and, and I did the same thing, of course. I did the yeah. same thing when I started. You, you know, I'm a developer, I want to do DDD. So just show me DDD, uh, DDD project. Um, and then I will I will do the same thing and I will be a, a DDD professional. But of course, it doesn't work like that because domain-driven design is about so many things. Yes, it's about code, but it's mainly about how the code will impact your company and the organization and the team. And you have to think the whole thing at the main at the same time to understand it. And so, what makes me uh, really improve about it and how I explain it with, to other people is through uh, teaching, through, through training. So we build uh, always with Florent and Clément. <laughs> we build a, a, a training, a two-day training about domain-driven design and another two days training about the secure arrest and event sourcing. So we, we will uh, talk about that also, uh, of course, but just to say a word about it right now, uh, why we arrived in this world of CQRS and event sourcing, it was through domain-driven design and it was because at uh, around 2017, 2019, mm -hmm. it was, uh, the it was the point it was one of the architectures that uh ddd professional likes the most because it's one of the most uh robust way to to build a, a project uh and to be ddd compliant because you will have this opportunity to um to do something that makes sense for the for the project uh so we build this training and we teach to people uh with the two with these four days uh in total uh, training and it works well because for the same reason that the eric's books uh works with me it's because mm -hmm. it was it's not easy to explain ddd quickly but it's really easy to to show where the pain are right and to tell people I know why you have pain here and mm -hmm. I could help you if you let me the, the time to explain to you where it mm -hmm. comes from. And when you take right. this time, why, you know, because you can say, okay, I know the problems that you have, you have, uh, you feel like you have problem with, uh, with the products. And actually it's not a product problem. It's a company problem. It's because your, your company is not well organized and it's because you try to do something that 
should not have happened with the product and and that's the, the, the base of lots of your of your problems and when they realize that when you click they uh, exactly like me at the same period uh, they don't they still don't understand ddd but they at least understand how powerful it could be and so they want to learn more and they want to find a practical way to improve the product makes sense so um of course without giving me any of your trade secrets um can you walk me through that process a little bit more because when uh you mentioned that you talk to let's say a company and they they have these uh, difficulties and uh, you do these trainings for them um is it usually the case that they come to you or is it more of uh, you find these, uh, let's say, projects or maybe developers at uh, some meetup or what have you, and they kind of talk about their problems and you're like, aha, this is something that I can help you with. Or is it sort of both ways? Well, uh, I don't know if it's still the case, but a few years ago, they weren't lots of DVD uh, experts, actually. So, yes, uh, people come to us because we do conferences, trainings, uh, we we were also on uh, what was Twitter once. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we are, we were kind of visible and people, and, and we talked about, about that. And so, yeah, uh, most companies just come to us uh, because they they feel, so it was often, why, why it was interesting, because it was, they often come to us because they would like to implement SQLite. Mm. Uh, and that's a really interesting uh, uh, discussion uh, I had with people in, in Action uh, Action HQ as well, because you have the same uh, problem of people that want to do SQLite, but they don't. When you try to understand, they don't really know why. You know, yeah. often it's it looks like it's just because it looks cool, but yeah, sure, it's cool, but. Why do you need it? Uh, how will it improve your your product? Mm -hmm. uh, so, and that's actually uh, the, the first training that we built was a CQRS one. But because people ask this to us, but uh, as we expect, most of mm -hmm. the people that arrived in this training were not ready for this training because if mm -hmm. you don't have the domain-driven design background. To talk about CQRS, right. you will most likely shoot yourself in the foot, and yeah, uh, it's hard and to you, understand it. Yeah, yeah, you will just build uh, another engineered uh, solution, overcomplicated. Mm -hmm. Nobody will understand it. Nobody will be able to uh, to maintain it, and it will be harder for people to understand the code, what it does. So it's a, it's a real problem. It costs a lot. Mm -hmm. So that's why we built the other training after that, and uh, and often we were able to convince people, even people who insist to start with the CQRS one. At the end of the CQRS one, they understand why they actually need this uh, DDD background, and mm -hmm. we can actually talk about it uh, right now. Why both of these uh, concepts are so tightly uh, chained together? It's because CQRS and event sourcing are just tactical patterns that you mm -hmm. can use if it makes sense for your core domains, for what we call the core domain in domain-driven design, which is basically the 
the really reason why your company earn money. Yeah. Uh, and so most of the time, but not often, indeed, with this kind of patterns, you will be able to build a more reliable product, but it's also harder to build it because mm -hmm. you expert people uh, on these patterns and uh, you need to understand exactly why and how you do it. Yeah, I think there's more time that needs to be spent ahead of time designing, discussing, really understanding what it is that you're trying to get out of this application or this system. And when you understand these strategic patterns of domain-driven design, you also understand that you don't need and you don't want the whole product to be in CQRS, yeah. it's most likely not a good idea because uh, most often you just have a, a core domain who deserves that, who deserves this complexity because it deserves the reliability that will mm -hmm. come with that architecture. But some other parts that are not the, the, your core business, you you can sometimes you can just choose another software to do that directly or, or most often as well excel will just do the job for a, a long time right. before you <laughs> to go to something harder and even when you go to something um, different when you want to code something you can just code the crud part and it mm -hmm. will be absolutely perfect for what you need to do because by essence this part of your domain is just a cloud part and uh, and uh, it's okay. It's not a problem. I'm so glad you're touching on this because a lot of times um, I know people who will first come into learning about these patterns and these um, uh, strategical uh, decision-making part of uh, uh, designing a system, they always worry about, oh, so this complexity, do I have to carry it through everything I do within within my systems or applications? And I'm so glad you mentioned this because if the, if the core domain is designed that way, um, you make it reliable, you make it resilient, but then the rest of the parts, um, if you're in microservices, for instance, you don't need to do that. Sometimes you, as you mentioned, you can use the, you know, off the shelf kind of product or you can use CRUD-based uh, applications. So it makes it easier and I think more digestible. We we talked a little bit about, um, you and I, about how to introduce these patterns uh, a while ago when we spoke um, to make it more bite-sized and more digestible for people, especially who are new to these, um, to these items. So that's really, really great to mention and talk about. Um, and I think it kind of um, makes people a little bit more comfortable in a sense to tackle this because they know that it doesn't have to be everywhere you doesn't have to you don't have to introduce this complexity everywhere you just where it really is needed to do and that's a really uh, good exactly. point to mention and yeah. you just need to know why uh, why you do it and yeah that why is very important absolutely if there's a good why then you can do it but otherwise uh, it's probably not a good idea but mm. um Indeed, when you know why and how to do it, it's really, really powerful. And something we tackle with our uh, company right now, because uh, it's a startup, as you can guess, uh, <laughs> is that, yeah, we, we, we of course, uh, care about, about DVD when, uh, even when we started. And uh, I like to 
repeat to people that if you care about DVD, you will probably have a lot of crud in your project, uh, especially when you start. Mm -hmm. Because when you start, you don't really understand what your customer wants, what your customer needs. So you need to, you don't need to be perfect, but you need to be fast. So yeah. you just want to iterate, to do something in a week, put it, okay, it's not perfect, doesn't work well, but it's enough to get feedback. And feedback is the key. And when you've got this feedback, you can iterate and improve it. And then when you, when you understand that there is something, uh, in the startup world, it's often when, you, when you're able to get your first customer, so paying customer, of course, right. and when you're able also to convince people that there is a business. So mm -hmm. it's it's oh, not uh, not always, but it could may it could uh, uh, it could be that you will be able to convince some investors in your uh, in your company. Yeah, absolutely. when you're able to do that, then okay, now it, it's it makes sense to to create something much more reliable. And uh, so to be very clear with, uh, with SuperMDEP, uh, our company, our first MVP was basically a Google Sheet in an mm -hmm. HTML page. Okay. And, and so uh, there was a bit of uh, fancy stuff around that, but that was basically that. Because yeah. with this, uh, we were able to get the data from our customer. We were able to show them a few uh, a few information interesting for the administrative stuff and we do as if you know fake it until we make it we do <laughs> as if everything behind that was automatic uh, like you know we can do your uh, taxes declaration automatically of course mm -hmm. we did that with our end but the customer doesn't care he put the data exactly put the data in the software and he was happy because everything seems to be uh, automatic and correct. Mm -hmm. So of course, after that, we're, we're, when we understand, uh, when we focus on auto entrepreneur and we understand the, the values that we can bring them, of course, after that, we build something automatic. And of mm -hmm. course, it wasn't uh, an Excel sheet. It was much more complicated than that. Right. But even right now, because we have different parts in our business, the core business is indeed in CQRS and event sourcing. Mm -hmm. But uh, we have also an off-the-shelf software to manage invoice because managing invoice for our customer was not our main uh, business. So it was uh, an open source software that we just brand to, uh, to our customer uh, uh, and that we connect with our products, but we didn't... Uh, we didn't choose it. We didn't code it. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, we are happy to, to contribute to this project, but we didn't code it uh, from, yeah. the, from the start. And, uh, and, and this part is uh, mainly crowd because we didn't mm -hmm. make it. And actually, we didn't really care how it's done uh, because it works well. For our main product, everything is event source and uh, we use CQRS and it's really interesting for us to do that because, of course, in Texas, you need to be really precise and Absolutely. to be able to know exactly what happens in what orders when uh, is absolutely fantastic for us. And yeah. why people like very much what we do is that basically we are connected in real time to the administration and we basically uh, analyze every night what happens 
from the administrative side. So we are basically a log of every administrative event, important event uh, in your company. And of course, we can automate, uh, uh, we can do automation, automation about taxes and stuff like that. But the, the good thing is that we have these events, basically, uh, business events from the administration, and we are able to react to these uh, events and it's really interesting for us to log that and to understand exactly what happens because most often what they do is not logical at all. So you are <laughs> really happy to have these logs to understand that, okay, they deactivated the account and they put it again and they, they change the address. And so you can just see exactly what they do and it's so much easier to, to work with them after that. Absolutely. I think um, you mentioned a few really important things. Uh, thank you so much for your transparency about how you started your your project and your company to begin with, because I think that's something that um, a lot of startups um, have a hard time at the beginning, right? Because you're trying to be perfect from the get-go and you don't have to be. And that's really important that you mentioned that. Um, so really appreciate that. And it's really fascinating to to follow this journey of yours and how you came to be. And, you know, the fake it till you make it part is really, we, we laugh about it, but it's really important because you, again, you can't be doing everything uh, the absolute right way from the get-go because you need to get this company going, right? You need to get started. You need to make money. You need to get investors. So there's uh, there's that pressure on a lot of startups um, to get the project started and bring in some revenue. So that's really important. And I really also like that you focus on the startups and you focus on these patterns, but you are very strategic about it. Do you need it? Do you really need it? If you absolutely need it, then you can implement these patterns. If you don't need it, then don't bother with it, right? Do what works for you um, on case-by-case -case basis, which I think is uh, is also really important because a lot of times as developers, we see things that are cool and we want to uh, be using the latest and the greatest technologies out there and patterns and we want to um, be efficient and resilient and so on. Um, but then we can also overwhelm ourselves really quickly. So it, it really is important to uh, take a step back and look at it in a, a bit more logically and practically, right? Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, so the good thing is that when you become uh, an older developer, you start to to be wiser about that, and you're not that much interesting with fancy yeah. stuff. You just wait and see and learn, of course. But you basically make differences be between what will be useful anytime and what may be useful but just for technical purpose right now but i i had the chance uh, i squeezed this part in my career but in the first company i work with um as a not as a freelancer but when i was a, a salary i I have to to work in silver lights, so maybe there are so <laughs> some old people listening to this podcast and they know that so Silverlight was one of flash uh concurrents uh mm -hmm. <laughs> a while ago so when well when the flash was uh, was cool so it was also a few yeah, more than a decade ago but anyway so but 
as a young developer, I was so <laughs> convinced that it was the future. You know, I was like, oh, Silverlight is so cool. And actually, it was very cool because we build uh, image processing software directly in the navigator. It was really directly in the browser. It was really, uh, uh, really cool. We, we did really cool stuff with that. Uh, and then it just failed for, you know, and when I see that, uh, I understand that, uh, okay, uh, actually, the techniques, the language, it, it's not really important. Uh, what is important is uh, the patterns. And when I start to learn that, it helps me to be a much better developer in every mission I get after that, because as soon as I arrived on a, on a mission, I was able to understand where the complexity was and why it was complex and very often i understand that the complexity more most people believed it was a technical complexity for for example people were trying to build uh, some uh, some synchronization between two databases so as you could expect of course it was something really really complex to do because they didn't have a, a master and slaves they, they just want the same data at the same time in both databases and and when you understand from a domain uh, from a domain focus why they try to do that you understand that the problem is not what they're trying to do but the organization and 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 the fact that they ask the technical part to do this synchronization that just doesn't make sense uh, so when you when you understand that you can be really efficient in your job and you'll be really really impactful yeah absolutely i'm really glad you're mentioning these points because um, of course they're important but also a lot of times they are overlooked because as you mentioned um, often we look at the technical aspect of things as opposed to looking at what kind of problems we're really trying to solve um, in the company or in a software application or what have you. Uh, so identifying those problems and organizing uh, in a way that the um, the application or the systems can be much more efficient, that I think is the, the core of what a lot of times we want to focus on, but we sort of overlook it. We look into languages or stacks or platforms that we can use to, uh, quote unquote, be more efficient and resilient as opposed to really looking at uh, what kind of values we're trying to uh, put into this project or how how does the business need to make money, right? That's basically the core of uh, a lot of the, the problems we have. So really fascinating topics. And of course, we can talk about these, any which one of them for hours at a time, but I'm really happy that we could sort of squeeze a lot of them in this, you know, 30, 40 minute conversation and uh, um, share that with everybody because these are the, the problems that a lot of people have and face and uh, sometimes feel a little bit stuck in. So I'm really glad that um, you took the time to explain them. So really, thank you. Um, are there any other points that you want to share towards the end that you feel like um, might be important or beneficial to, to the listeners? Well, uh, yeah, I seem to come back to Axon IQ. Actually, it was fun because uh, when I start to learn about CQRS and event sourcing, I was also thinking about a framework uh, to help people to to do that, uh, and uh, and finally we didn't even try because exactly because some of the of the problem you meet now it was because we 
believes that um, uh, most of the time, the good way to implement CQRS is to start it from scratch. Mm -hmm. I mean, just to understand it, how it works and why, how it could work. And then when you understand really the basics, the different patterns, the, the pub sub and so on, mm -hmm. then it really makes sense to use a framework if it could make you um, more productive. And, and that's where Axon AQ can be uh, awesome to, to implement and, and that's where they could help you. Uh, but yeah, again, you really need to learn after that. You need to try to do without a framework. Mm -hmm. And and actually, that's true for every framework right, yeah. uh, in the software industry. Yeah, of course. Try, try to build something without this. And when you understand uh, how it works, then it makes sense to, to use the framework to be more productive because you will understand what the framework is doing and yeah, why sure. it's doing this. So everything it doesn't seem like a uh, like a magic, right? So you have that understanding of like, exactly. what's happening. Yeah, and I appreciate you mentioning the um, the Axon framework. Um, I'm I'm sure the team will be really happy to to hear that as well. Um, but yeah, absolutely, it's important. I actually did talk to one of our um, engineers a while back about you know to to use a framework or not to use the framework. And I think that what you mentioned is uh, really valuable because. Yes, of course, the framework can help you with in a lot of um, challenges that you may have, but it is also important to understand those challenges without using a framework so that you can kind of assess on your own to see if it's something that you really need. Do you want to build everything from scratch and do all the pipe work, so to speak, or um, do you want to use the framework? And of course, as you mentioned, using the framework is really valuable, but you do have to have that background understanding of what it is that you're trying to get out of this framework uh, before you start using it. So that I really appreciate that um, that uh, notion as well. Um, so thank you so much for your time, Emily, and I really enjoyed our conversation today, and I hope to come back and talk more at a different time. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much, Sarah. I hope you liked my talk with Emilia. Please join me next time as I speak with other wonderful guests about fascinating topics. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.